All right, hi guys, welcome back to Tech Z. Um, we've been off the air for a while because uh, schools and coming back to back in session, so we've had a lot of work. Um, so today we've had a bit of a special episode because uh, um, all the CES coverage last week with everything being announced, we wanted to cover it all and talk about what we thought was most important stuff. So um, it's me, Shreeman, and Zane, if you guys remember him from the uh, electric cars episode, he's back and he's going to talk about some of the CPU and, and GPU stuff. Um, so yeah. Let's get started. Um, so if you guys remember last week, Samsung announced in their unpacked event, um, the S21 range. So Shreeman's gonna talk about that for a little bit. Okay, yeah, so um, they introduced three models, like refined versions of from last year. So S21, S21, S21 Plus and S21 Ultra. And this year they decreased the price, starting prices for across the board so the s21 now starts at 799 and then uh s21 plus is 999 and then s21 ultra is 1199 if i'm yeah yeah so i since i think they're trying to uh, uh level the playing field because a lot more companies are entering that premium mid-range upper tier mid-range market so we receive the iphone 12 the pixel 5 uh one plus there there are most of their phones start around like the 800 range so i think uh it's a good move that samsung is trying to um decrease the price of their phones especially in a pandemic when uh budgets are on top of everyone's minds and then uh, with these new phones and also new processors, so you get Snapdragon AAA, and then uh, apparently this year, uh, the Exynos version, which is uh, the chip that's in Europe and like most parts of Asia, um, that's the chip that they get in the Samsung lineup, and that that looks to be outperforming the snapdragon this year we don't we haven't seen any official reviews or like tests on that but be on the lookout for that and let's see if for this year if who's getting more bang for their buck is it people out of out of the u.s or people in the u.s i don't know it's looking pretty promising for exynos but it's a it's going to be kind of annoying because usually the u.s markets get the best stuff and now it's yeah. going to be everywhere else so yeah I mean, the thing about Exynos is, is that they moved, the reason they were so bad in the last few years was that they were using a 7 nanometer chip when everyone else was starting to move down to 5 nanometer. Mm-hmm. So you had like Apple's A14 be the first big one, Snapdragon I believe is now using a 5 nanometer chip. And the thing was, all these brands were competing on 5 nanometer and Samsung was still using 7 nanometer and they were trying to make their 7 nanometer chip keep working, 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 working. And they ran into heat issues. The battery drainage was awful. It was just inefficient. But this year they moved to 5 nanometer and you can tell all that time that they spent working hard optimizing that 5 nanometer chip, the Exynos uh, 1100, I believe is the name of it. Yeah, because... Uh, yeah, because you see the success that Apple's had with their custom chips. So you see how well optimized the apps and everything is and how much performance you can squeeze out of something that's a chip that's optimized for your operating system. So I think Samsung is moving toward a direction uh, like yeah. Apple. So they're trying to make everything in-house and trying to make everything work together as efficiently as possible. Yeah, plus not to mention 
Samsung's skin on Android, calling it a skin on Android is very loose at this point because it's basically bridging off into its own real sector because it runs Android apps and has some Android features, but every single thing has been touched by Samsung in some way to alter it for their own usage. The fact that they can now control every piece of the puzzle, like people like to say Apple controls every single piece of the puzzle when they manufacture their phones, but like in reality, they're kind of almost there. Like they make their own silicon, but they don't make their own screens. They don't make their own this, that. They all outsource all of it. Samsung, on the other hand, literally builds every single phone in their factories and that. They can control every aspect of this uh, assembly. And I think that bump to Exynos was a good move because now what's going to happen is you're going to see Exynos slowly creep into the North American market. And eventually mm-hmm. Samsung's going to stop using Exynos and you'll see their phone prices dip even further because guess what? They don't have to pay Qualcomm anymore. They can right. just make the same amount of profit for less or make more profit if they felt like it. Yeah, I think, sure, we, yeah. Do, I think we all agree that mm-hmm. Qualcomm is going is on track to become the next Intel of chips. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Plus on, the, on that same note, AMD and Samsung are uh, partnered. Uh, it was rumored this year that it didn't happen, but in the same way that's uh, Qualcomm used Adreno GPUs. People are saying that it is very likely in the future where we will see an Exynos smartphone with an AMD mobile GPU. Now, mm. AMD's GPU game isn't well known, but like working on ARM and all these small, close knit things, seeing an AMD GPU would literally make Apple run for its money in their uh, chip development. Right, yeah, because and that's what we all want. We want competition so we can get the best products possible. Because when when there's competition in between tech companies, it's us who benefits at the end. So yeah, yeah. Right. Plus, keep going, I was saying you had something. Oh yeah, I was no, gonna no. say um, a lot of people are starting to be confused a little bit though. Like Snapchat took this route this year. A lot of people are like, well, phones are so fast nowadays. Why should we even bother with all these? the silicon race like why do we need a faster and faster and faster phone if like developers can't keep up with the rate that chip manufacturers are working at and one reason is just the way phones are moving phones are getting more complicated every day the glass lab has hit its limits we have gone past a point where we can say that we're making a iterative upgrade as big as the last few upgrades on the glass lab bezels are no longer an issue uh, Underscreen cameras are on the way. Uh, uh, refresh rates are clocked to their max hertz. We have gotten as big as we can on that glass canvas that people are starting to branch out into things like foldables or mini uh, uh, devices that can change form like the LG Wing where it, like, it swivels out. And the thing is with these processors, they have to be able to keep up with the fact that the device is basically changing how it operates on a dime or else it's worthless. Example of this is I own a Galaxy Fold 2. If I'm using my phone and I unfold it, I don't notice a real degradation of speed or the, the process feeling terrible when I use the phone. The silicon keeps up with it. But having more and more development on the CPU side means that everything can get even more buttery smooth. Whereas I've used an LG Wing before. You flick the wing open, it just sits how it was before. And then it's suddenly and randomly and sporadically just transitions into its wing form. And do I think that's part of LG's software development and the fact that they're using a mid-range chip? Definitely. I think LG 
had a idea, a vision for the wing where it swivels, but they just couldn't execute on that software and that silicon. It's just not quick enough to keep up with its own idea. And we need to keep innovating and driving the cost down, making things more efficient. And eventually with all this innovation, we might just see a new era of smartphone. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And um, so up next on the Samsung phones, what I miss. Um, one thing this year that uh, that they did is that they uh, reduced the screen quality on their S21 and S21 Plus to yes. 1080p from t- 1440p, which, 1440p, which is not bad at all, but... Cons- uh, people might be like, oh, why did that happen? Uh, I think Samsung might need to market that uh, better. As- yeah, okay. Yeah, here's the thing, okay? I have a little rant prepared for this, so get ready. Mm-hmm. Buckle up, okay? 1080p was your TV resolution about 10 years ago, okay? And no one really complained, okay? 1080p on a 6-inch or 6.5-inch or whatever it is, Six and a half inch phone isn't bad, okay? You're not going to notice the, if you're the average person and you're not microscoping at the your display and you're looking for the pixels, it's not gonna make a difference, okay? So if that's the only reason you're considering another phone over an S21 is because it's 1080p or 1440p uh, besides- Yeah, by all, by all means, 1080p is not like a like a- breaking factor i just said like it was just like something that's different from us yeah 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 so everyone that's considering your s21 don't get discouraged by the fact that it's 1080p hey, guess perfect. what guess what guess what yeah. out of the box if you open your samsung galaxy s20 not 21 you opened yeah. it your 1440p was default 1080p exactly and everyone like, that actually wants to use an s20 with 120 hertz has to has use 1080p. to use 1080p so it's basically the same phone so the reason Samsung stepped down is because guess what? Nobody noticed, and those who noticed didn't care. Yeah, and and you get a two hundred dollar price cut. So I think I think I'm fine. I think it's a no brainer. Like you pay less, get the same thing basically. Pretty much. I yeah. mean, if you care so much about screen quality and nitpicking about all that, I'm assuming that you'll also have the budget to buy the Ultra. So just go do that. No one cares. Right. The S twenty one and twenty one plus were not meant for you. Yeah. So speaking of the ultra this year, they refined the camera a little bit more. So like uh, we all saw like the reviews of the S20 ultra where it was too shaking. The focus didn't work. And I mean, like it was good in like most photos, but like, I think the the specific issue, the specific uh, highlights that they pointed out in the event last year. And when we tried it out in person, it just didn't correlate. So they fixed all those issues with the gen two one, uh, 108 megapixel sensor. And I think they fixed, fixed all this, like the sensor shift issues and focus issues. Mm-hmm. So uh, once like the reviews come out and we see like how good the camera quality is, we should see how it compares like to the big dogs. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah. Uh, this year, uh, in addition, you get all, you get everything else in a phone, but this year you won't get a charger and a headphone, headphones in your box because well, we know um, who started that trend. Yes, I don't know how an Apple a company gets intimidated by that, but that's just yeah. like you can get intimidated by some stuff, but like removing something and then your company feels intimidated. Oh, if we don't do that, we're screwed. Like, yeah, and the fact that they made fun of it and then did it two months later is kind of a. Um, 
Yeah. I don't know. That's also, not a good uh, Xiaomi too did that. They made fun of it and then removed it. So yeah. I mean, I here's know. the thing though. All the people like Boohoo, less stuff in the box. If you pre-order an S20 Ultra, you get free Galaxy Buds Pro and a free smart tag. If you pre-order a Galaxy S20 or S21, S21 or S21 Plus, you get a free smart tag and like store credit. It's not like you're losing out on something major. Not yeah. only is your phone cheaper, but you get free stuff on top of that. Like, man, come on. You can get the charging brick for free. Stop your yapping. Yeah, yeah and people that are willing to spend a thousand dollars on a phone are probably going to be willing to spend another twenty bucks for a faster. Oh, yeah. so. Plus, but, a lot but of there's also the argument that you're already spending a thousand dollars for a phone, so you shouldn't be spending more for a charger. That is true, and that's what I like what Xiaomi did though, because Xiaomi gives you the option to add it back for free, which I like. So, but I don't know how environmentally friendly that is because they're still producing it. So, yeah, yeah. So, uh, no, the whole thing for me was that uh. So when Samsung stopped shipping headphones with their products, which was, I believe, the Note 20 in the States didn't come with it. You could call up Samsung support and be like, hi, can I have headphones? I'd be like, okay, uh, the charging brick is a different case. You cannot get one for free. Mm-hmm. Just as simple yeah. as that. Yeah. It kind of sucks that Samsung has been slowly, like Samsung used to be known, like you'd open the phone and you'd get like headphones, a charger, and like a bunch of stuff in your box. And like now... I got my Z Fold 2, $2,000 phone. I open the box, I pull out the phone, look what's in the box, that's it. Just a cable, a charger, and a phone. Now for two grand. When it used to be like, I'd get headphones, I'd get a case. Yeah. I like the, the thing that screwed me over the most was in the Galaxy Fold 1, you open it, you got the charger, Galaxy Buds, wireless Galaxy Buds, and a, a carbon Kevlar case in the box with the phone. In the Z Fold 2, you get the phone, a charger, and that's it for more money. Twenty dollars more. But I think the mean? case with like, I mean, I think like the situation when it comes to clear cases, when companies give it, like, I don't think like a lot of people are going to like use that. In no, because... the thing, Samsung didn't give a clear case. They gave a carbon. Yeah, yeah, I, I know for that. But like in a, most situations, like most companies give a clear case. Well, I feel like that's companies more, are. That's more of like the budget market, right? So like budget no, people, kind of. Yeah. So like I'm the budget phones. Yes, that's true. Yeah, that's true. But OnePlus is at heart maybe a budget company. OnePlus's so, heart yeah. died a long time ago, buddy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> what OnePlus's heart is long gone. No, I'm not gonna get into that. But basically, know. most budget phones are ba- are usually include cases because they want their customers not to spend any other money or any more money than they already have. Because the reason they're buying a budget phone is because they have a money constraint. So. I mean, I think not including a charging brick for a phone that's this expensive can go both ways. A, that they're spending this much money all, already, so they might be willing to spend a little bit more for something like a wireless charger or something. Instead of having a charger in the box, they're not going to use that inevitably. Or B, that um, it's $1,000 they should include a charger. So, yeah. Yeah, okay. it could be both ways. Yeah. And other stuff that Samsung I introduced at their event was their samsung smart tag smart things what is it smart thing so the way it works is uh on all samsung phones there's this thing called smart things which when i got my phone i had no idea what it was it was just there basically a bunch of companies have pulled together and they accepted this like one mini standard called smart things the way it works is if you have a smart things supported device you can connect your phone to it and your phone becomes a remote so you can have like blinds, your AC, your heating, whatever, blah, 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 home stuff. Well, Samsung introduced something that goes in that ecosystem called a smart things, smart tag. It was meant to rival the rumored Apple AirTags. All it is is that it's like a little tag you clip on your phone 
and I mean, onto yeah. your like yeah. bag or something. And it just has like a GPS and a battery in it. And that's about it. But there are two tiers. You can buy that one or you can buy the cool smart tag plus, which I really like. Uh, it's like a tag, but it also has um, ultra wideband on it. I believe that's the uh, mm -hmm. technology I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where if it's close enough to you, you can open up like an AR camera app and you can pan around and it will directly point you to which direction your thing is in. Mm, which right. is really nice. Yeah, that's how like the tile was doing it because any of you remember the tile? That's Ti what... tile was cool, but yeah. tile didn't do that AR stuff. Oh really? Oh okay. No, so yeah, sense. tile. I think tile did most of the first the smart things non plus one. So they mm -hmm. did most of that. So I yeah. think this would be replacing that. So people the that tile's also Dallas... like dying too. Tile, yeah, right? yeah. Mm -hmm. So like I think I think once they heard that like these companies are making like, are going to make like their own competitor i think they're just gonna like slowly die down in the end yeah, mm, yeah. and, and then, one one miss though is because it i think it's specifically tailored to work as best as possible with only galaxy phones which is kind of kind of sucks oh my god it's almost like another company does that oh, wow <laughs> i wonder what that is wow it's almost like these two companies are like butting heads now because yeah. just think about it Samsung and Apple are like the two big players left at this point. They were at the beginning and then like stuff happens like LG's leaving. OnePlus is peeing on itself. Google, oh. what is Google doing? Google's uh, trying to figure itself out. But uh, it's what other phone companies are there? Xiaomi, they're all getting banned by the US government over there. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much it. That's about it. You buy a Google phone, you can buy a Pixel and be confused as to what identity your phone's picked. Am I a flagship? Am I a budget phone? Am I both? Question mark. Or you buy a Samsung phone. First, you got to pick which one. There's 5,000 different Samsung phones. And then, mm. or you buy an iPhone. It's, yeah. it's a very simple choice. Because it used right. to be you'd have like a bunch of brands. And then Samsung launched like, they're launching a rival product to Apple every year. AirPods Pro have been out for two years now, right? Is yeah, it two, two or one year? Two years. Uh, yeah, one, like one, one year in like two months. Mm, yeah. Wait, when, when did they debut them? Was October, it a... October 2019. So, yeah, two, yeah. A year, a year and a bit. Yeah. yeah. Well, Samsung finally retaliated with their Galaxy Buds Pro, which took a while, I guess. Yeah, was, like, yeah. That was, like, that even was if, a pretty like, big thing. Pixel Buds already came in. Like Galaxy Buds, like change the game. I guess. Hey, here's the thing: Pixel Buds are cool and all, but like, in the end, if you want AirPods for Android, they're the Galaxy Buds. Galaxy Buds are amazing. I own them. They are the hands down best pair of headphones, earbuds I've ever owned. They've yeah. So, they they're the. Whenever I buy earbuds, I buy like random earbuds off of like companies that like on Reddit they say, "Oh, these are really good headphones," and I buy them. There's always one issue they have. I remember watching Unbox Therapy's videos about these one headphones called uh, Crazy Baby. Mm. And they, they made these headphones and I was like, oh, these seem very nice. I should probably buy them. And then I bought them. They had significant issues. I had Skull Candy wireless ones. They sucked. I had uh, JBL wireless ones. They sucked. I bought Galaxy Buds. All my issues went away. The only issues I have are like, I have to clean these out. That sucks. That's about it. Like, yeah, that's pretty much I, every year, but yeah. Yeah, the thing about Galaxy Buds that I like is you buy them and you don't notice that they're doing something. Like you just know that you have headphones. You never have to like remember anything. Like I hated headphones, having headphones are like, ah, I have to remember that I can't like cover my left ear or else it'll like stutter out or, oh, I have to turn it a little bit or else it falls out. No, Galaxy Buds, you just put them in, they work. They're like AirPods. Right, yeah. No thought process. Yeah. 
So right, we'll be back with a sponsor segment. So yeah, we'll talk about everything else that happened to see us. And we're back. So um, we were talking about F21. So now we're going to talk about um, the main uh, stuff that CS had, which was everything on the laptop in CPU side. So first, AMD um, did their presentation, and they unveiled um, their new uh, 5000 series laptop chips. And they were pretty cool because um, the thermal limitations of the um, Ryzen chips and the Zen 3 architecture that they carried over from their desktop side is kind of interesting because they're giving a real, um, I mean, they're giving Intel a real uh, pain in the butt because um, it's, it's really hard to compete with uh, AMD right now because they've got a lower wattage. Um, the price is typically much lower um, and uh, it doesn't throttle as much. And um, so, and they're in more and more laptops this year. So um, there's no point in buying an Intel laptop right now and kind of these tribute to how, how well um, AMD's put like resources into the Ryzen program. So um, we saw um, uh, their U-series chips from the 5300U to the 5700U. They're like meant to go in like thin and light laptops. Um, and then we saw the H3 chips, which are supposed to go head to head with like the six core and eight core offerings from Intel, like the 10750H and um, the 10900, a 10980HK. And so those are um, the 5800H, 5900HS, stuff like that. And so um, uh, this year, for the first time, we saw overclockable uh, HX series chips from AMD. So that means for the first time on an AMD based um, gaming laptop, you can actually overclock the chip beyond its um, rated. Uh, uh, clock rating so which is kind of cool because that's never been done before so that's everything from amd and i'm really excited because last year they had really successful years with the 4000 series but not a lot of manufacturers were ready to take the risk and switch over because you you never know because amd was so far behind intel just a couple of years ago and um uh, like putting a chip in your flagship laptop was going to be such a big risk because if it did poorly then no one was going to buy it and it was going to be a year of pain for that company in the laptop line so after nvidia uh, amd proved themselves last year with the 4000 series i think a lot of manufacturers took the chance and switched over to 5000 and uh, i think it's paying off because 5000 has a significant leap over um 4000 in terms of um uh, the the smart cash it's actually doubled this year um clock ratings have gone up across the board um the integrated gpu is actually much higher uh, performing than last year um so yeah it's a lot of sizable improvements over last year and so 
I think anyone that didn't switch over to AMD from Intel is making a big mistake. Um, and then uh, right after NVIDIA made their announcement, um, also for laptops, which is kind of unique because usually year after year, we see one announcement, either a CPU or a GPU announcement. And then a couple of months later, we see um, the opposite with CPU or GPU. So we get a CPU announcement. We don't get a GPU announcement until four or five, six months later. And by that time, um, you're going to be already having a laptop with that new CPU or GPU, but not the other. And so it's going to be a weird mixture of old and new. And so now we have AMD and NVIDIA launching on the same time, which is kind of cool because um, a lot of laptop manufacturers are taking this chance and doing 5,000 series um, laptop chips and 3060, 3070, or 3080 um, GPUs. Um, so the 3060 was actually supposed to be faster than the RTX 2080 Super Maxi, which is like the top of the line chip um, last year, which is kind of crazy because 3060 is supposed to start at only um, $1,000, which is insane because 2080 Super Max Q laptops last year, or um, yeah, last year and this year, um, they start at like $2,500 plus. So um, it's great to see that they're bringing more and more performance down to um, the, even like the lowest tier RTX cards. And um, I think it's going to be a lot, a lot of a lot of people are going to get into high FPS gaming for the first time. And so with the, um, these 3060 laptops, it's going to be really easy to do so. And then 3070, um, it's going to be 1440p at 90 FPS. So if you want to get higher fidelity and higher FPS, 3070 should give you an, a really good entry point to do that. And then 3080 should be just more of that. So 4K at 90 FPS. So pretty much if you get top of the line laptops this year from the likes of Razer, MSI, Asus, um, with a 3080, um, you should be able to game at 4K 90 FPS or plus in some games um, without any DLSS or any um, upscaling or anything, just natural rendering because it's that powerful. Um, there's also a 16 gig variant of the 38 for the first time, which is actually really interesting because um, usually laptop chips have only gone up to eight gigs in the past. And so 16 gigs double the memory, which is really insane because um, a lot of newer games like uh, Cyberpunk um, Microsoft Flight Simulator are trying to starting to um, utilize more and more VRAM. So having that upper headroom is going to help, help in the long run when you have your laptop for four or five years with uh, newer laptop, uh, newer games coming out that need more and more video memory. So it's really nice. Um, I just wanted to touch one thing because um, this year, um, NVIDIA is getting rid of their Max-Q um, certification for the GPUs because it's they see it, they see it as sort of a it's sort of a confusing, confusing point because Max-Q can mean completely different things from a non-Max-Q variant. So for example, if they get a 3060 laptop and I have a 3060 Max-Q laptop, the 3060 laptop could be anywhere from five, 10% or 30, 40% faster than that Max-Q variant because Max-Q basically means um, how how low they um, underwatt the uh, GPU in order to keep it in the thermal limitations of the chassis that the um, GPU is in. So um, manufacturers used to be able to put a 3060 branding on uh, really thin and light laptops and then not put the Max-Q um, after it. And um, uh, it used to be really confusing because people would be really confused. They would think that one 3060 laptop is exactly the same as another, which is definitely not the case. So. Um, I think this year it's going to be really confusing for a lot of people. Um, even the, the, even the, like after now, they've taken out the Max-Q branding. So if you're buying a laptop with 
the 3060s, 3070, 3080, look for max Q or um, anything about wattage. And so um, if you're able to do that, I think you'll be able to get a good idea of where, um, what kind of performance you should be able to get. Um, and then Intel, uh, they also had a presentation, um, but it wasn't nearly as exciting as we thought it would be. We thought it would be, um, the main H series chips, like the six core, eight core chips that they usually announce around this time of the year. Um, but they didn't do that. They did H35 chips, which is kind of stupid, but um, it's a four core chip um, supposed to go head to head with um, stuff like the eight core chips from AMD, which doesn't make any sense at all um, because four cores against eight cores, that's no competition in multi-threaded um, tasks. But in single-threaded tasks, um, Intel uh, does have a sizable lead, but um, multi-threaded and um, GPU-intensive uh, performances and stuff like uh, CPU-intensive games like CSGO and stuff like that, it's clearly behind AMD. And so um, any laptops with this um, are mainly targeted toward thin and light gaming laptops, which is even worse because those laptops have the new RTX 3030 uh, 30 series cards and um, e, uh, some of the benchmarks have come out and Intel's been seen as sort of a GPU bottleneck and uh, yeah so if you're getting a ace 35 uh, series laptop um, just know that you're not going to be able to get the full um, potential out of your GPU because Intel's holding it back um, and then I'm um, just going to talk about some of the actual laptops CES sort of brought so from Asus, I think Asus was probably um, the, the best showcase of what um, a manufacturer should do with everything that's available to them. So they did high-end Ryzen and high-end NVIDIA. So they got the best chips on the market plus the best GPUs on the market. And they put them both together in a bunch of new form factors. So you got the ROG Strix 15 and 17 and Star 15 and 17. So those are like your... Um, typical gaming laptop, which is like really thick and um, sort of like a mobile workstation kind of deal. Um, then you have your Zephyrus line, which is supposed to go head to head with like the Blade and um, MacBook Pro 16. And so they're just like really built machines and um, portable kind of performance. Um, and then also this year we've got new tough models, which are like the budget option. So they have a lot of performance for under thousand dollars stuff like the tough F15 and tough A15. Um, and then Asus also sort of cased um, their Flow X13, which was like a hybrid concept. So it was a thin and light laptop with the uh, 5900HS, which is an eight core chip, but it's only clocked at uh, 45 watts. So it's not that powerful, but it's still, it's pretty powerful. Um, uh, but then the GPU inside is only a 1650 Ti, but if you're going to buy that Flow X13 now, you have to pay $3,000 because you also get a 3080 external GPU um, in the box. And you plug that in a proprietary port and basically you have a full-fledged gaming machine. So it's basically an all-in-one, but $3,000 is a lot. But it's, it's a sort of showcased as to how, what ASUS can do um, with all their marketing and uh, inventory and what they can showcase in their laptop. Um, and then Lenovo uh, launched a couple laptops, the Legion 5, a uh, great success from last year, and they just improved it this year with um, new uh, new AMD and new NVIDIA chips. Um, same thing with the, the Legion 7. The 7, um, it doesn't come in a 7i variant with an Intel chip anymore, so it's only AMD. So um, yeah, I think it's a really good step that 
Lenovo and Asus are both taking um, AMD on board and leaving Intel behind because it's clearly the better option. Um, then they also have the Legion 5 Pro, which is supposed to slide in between the 5 and the 7, which is supposed to be like um, a higher and alternative of the 5 with better GPUs and um, a higher uh, boost clock for the CPU. And then the Slim 7 is supposed to be um, sort of a Zephyrus Blade MacBook Pro competitor with um, Slim uh, form factor, uh, same AMD uh, NVIDIA chips, um, the lower wattage rating, so you can get a lot of performance, but you can take it on the go as well. Um, then besides that, I think everyone else, it was a missed opportunity for everyone else. So I think everyone like Razer, Dell, Acer, MSI, HP, um, they've all, they've all pretty much missed out. Um, Razer completely messed up. They, they didn't do anything. They just put in new GPUs with the old CPUs from Intel. So, um, I think right now it's a terrible time to buy a Razer, um, laptop if you're thinking of buying one in the first place. Um, and they've been, they've, they worked on a mask and a chair for some reason. I don't know why. Um, and then, uh, Dell did their thing with, the um, same thing in old Intel and new NVIDIA. So it's a mixture of old and new. When we clearly have AMD just sitting there waiting for new customers. Um, Acer did the same thing with their Predator line. Um, MSI did a couple of new uh, laptops with their, uh, the new NVIDIA stuff, but still old Intel. Um, and then they had the Stealth uh, 15M with the new H35 chips, but that's been uh, seen as being a bit of a bottleneck for the GPU. So it's, it's no use getting it for the $1,600 it is now. Um, HP stuck with old Ryzen, which is still a pretty good chip now, but um, they're ditching uh, uh, the old Ryzen with the new NVIDIA cards. It's mostly old Ryzen with stuff like the 1660 Ti, which is a two-year-old card now. And only the Intel, car, Intel laptops get the new NVIDIA stuff. So it's a bit of a miss from everyone. And I think everyone could have done something like ASUS and Lenovo and just switch to AMD and stuck to it. And I think it's a big step for those laptop manufacturers and they're gonna benefit from it greatly because this year, um, I think it's looking like AMD is gonna trounce Intel. And so, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much everything from the consumer side. Um, I think Zane wanted to tell you about something that he saw at CS. All right, so the single greatest thing a CES unveiled this year was whatever Kohler showed off, which is the infinity pool bathtub. So wow. this, this bathtub redefines the entire game for all bathing experiences. So the way this bathtub works is it's tiered. There's three tiers of the Kohler bathtub. So starting off, they're, they're calling it the stillness bathtub. And the whole point of this very expensive bathtub is that you can enjoy yourself and have the best experience in the bath. And it starts at $6,200, but past the point. This bathtub has various features like it can generate steam, heat. Uh, it has this thing called a waterfall where the water will intentionally flow over the edges of the bathtub, but be caught and like constantly recirculate to give you the best bathing experience ever. Um, there's other things like you can uh, put essential oils into the uh, bath. You can uh, uh, play music. It's just a overall experience to make you feel better. And of course it's all smart home linked. So you can tell your Google home to 
turn on your bath and get it to a certain temperature. And uh, $16,000 does seem like a large amount of money to pay for Wait, a bathtub. 16? $16,000. Oh my God. For that's... the maxed out version. Might Likewise. seem like a very high price, but it is a small price to pay for salvation in the bathtub. So point mm. for car loans, kids. Yes. Yeah, so uh, if you, it starts at $6,198. And that's like the baseline Toyota Camry, uh, Corolla version of the bathtub. And uh, it doesn't have too many features. It doesn't have the aromatherapy. It's heated. It doesn't have the nice waterfall, but you could level up to the middle tier, which is around $10,000, which uh, you get the aromatherapy kit and uh, more advanced oh lighting. And then when you go all the way up to $16,000, you get that nice waterfall effect. And you know, yeah. you can't put a price on your state of mind, but yeah. if you had to, it would be $15,998, according to Kohler. And I yeah, just, when you're sitting on the side of the road, a nice bathtub is exactly what you need. Oh, that's exactly what you want. Driving yeah, a car? Yeah. Nah. No, Driving, no. sitting in my bathtub with a waterfall canopy? Yes. Who needs a down payment on a new house? Who Get needs a down payment on anything? <laughs> All right, guys. So let's wrap it up here. Um, uh, yeah, that's pretty much everything from CES. So, yeah. Um, pretty exciting year this year. So let's see where everything takes us. So my name is Akash. My name is Sherman. And I'm Zane. And we're out. <laughs>